Morning. What a great morning, isn't it? Oh man, I isn't that worth getting out of bed for on a Sunday morning? Uh, Kim, hello, Kim. I I uh, I have uh, an interaction with Kim and her sister. I just I just want to share that. Uh, Janet talked in her story about two friends coming from L.A. One was her sister Anne and Kim. They came from L.A. here because they loved Jana and wanted her to know about the love of Jesus Christ. They came for the weekend. Jana said, I don't want to go to a church way, way over there. There's one in my backyard here. And that was a day that God opened her heart uh, to the grace of God. And it's such a delight. And, and, and that you guys would go to that expense for a weekend for the love of a friend. I mean, that's what, that's what the faith is about. Uh, and, and I'm just so absolutely touched by that. Yeah. Okay, thank you. See, I need somebody there. Gerda normally dresses me after I have to change. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever experienced something that, is, that, that left you speechless? Have you, have you ever experienced something that, you, I mean, you just couldn't put words to it? It, it just brought you in awe. I was thinking about an experience about going to Niagara Falls, and I know people who come to our country, or, or this area of our country, want to see Niagara Falls. And, and uh, you see the Maid of the Mist there? And this, this boat that takes you up near the falls, and, and the roar of that, it's like just about two and a half million liters per second coming over there, and the roar of that, and the mist that comes, and it just leaves you kind of speechless. It's breathtaking. Uh, Gerda and I have had the privilege of traveling and, and being uh, uh, out west, and uh, there you see something of the beauty and the grandeur of the mountains, right? You've been out there. Just like, how small do you feel when you're standing in front of a mountain like that? I mean, it's just incredible. Um, uh, years ago, when I was a young person, and I haven't seen it since, I saw the aurora borealis, the northern lights. And I mean, you stand and, and see this, this expression of beauty and color and, and how it shimmers and moves. And, and, it, and it leaves you, frank, frankly, uh, speechless. All you can say is, wow. Have you ever stood before a redwood tree? You know those kind of trees? I mean, looking up into these things that can be over 250 foot high can have a circumference of 100 feet around the base of this thing and weigh 1.2 kilograms, uh, 1.2 million, excuse me, kilograms and live for over 3,000 years. And, and to look at the base of this, and to see, you see the person there? You ever feel small? And, and, and it just, words can't express. 
You know, when we look in the Bible, the psalmist has an expression of, of awe and wonder when he experiences um, the presence of God in what God had created. Um, he was left dumbfounded. It kind of blew his mind as he thought about God and what God has done. Now, if you haven't been with us, you won't know that we've come toward the end. Uh, we're just finishing up uh, a series of messages uh, for our summer uh, called Songs of the Heart, Expressing Our Emotions to God. And it's been focusing on different psalms in the Bible. Psalms are the, the songbook or the, or the poetry book of the Bible. And uh, they're prayers that have been offered to God. And we've tried to capture something of what, it, what those may look like in, in gratitude or in despondency, how we pray and how we approach God when we're despondent because of things in our life, when there's fear or when there's joy, when there's confidence or, or other things that we have looked at. And today we want to consider what it's like to encounter God in terms of awe and wonder. And how do you express something that is, well, kind of unexpressible in some ways, something that leaves you without adequate words to express the wonder that you have in the presence of God, things that grip us that are so far beyond our comprehension and appreciation. Well, we can be pretty imprecise in some of our language, can't we? Uh, Particularly as we think about how we use superlatives. Oh, the greatest, the best, uh, the word awesome. You know, it's interesting to me how we, how we sometimes use those words, awesome. That dessert was awesome. Yeah, I had a witness there. Thank you. Um, or, or that sports player, he is awesome. He is phenomenal. Um, uh, th- things like that car, that car is awesome. Or the, that was an awesome joke. Or a two-year-old attempts a frontward somersault and kind of gets over. And we go, that was awesome! You know, where do you go from there? If we use our superlative, and I'm, I'm all for affirming people and encouraging them and all that kind of thing. But where do you go? If the superlatives we use are about dessert, or a somersault, or a car. Well, how do, we, how do we handle that when we get into the things that are of greater importance than that? When we put God in the category of dessert, we can be really casual and imprecise in terms of our language. Um, and, and we can lose some of that sense of wonder. For the psalmist... The thing that, that brought him the greatest sense of awe was God. And in Psalm 8, he pours out his praise of God and expresses words trying to wrap his mind around who God is and what God has done. And so I want us to read and uh, just follow along in Psalm 8 as we put it up on the screen. And, and here's what the psalmist said in Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, 
What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's what he says to express the awe and wonder that he has in God. And I want us to look first at the, at the majesty and the awesomeness of God as it is declared for us. In, in uh, Psalm 8 and verse 1, he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. I want to I just give you a little, a little lesson here in something. Sometimes you'll see in your Bible... Uh, the, the term Lord, and it's all in capital letters, like we see, O oh Lord. Uh, just go back a second, please. Um, o oh Lord, and the Lord is all in capital letters. But we see another Lord where only the first letter is capitalized. That term Lord, when you see that, and it occurs almost 7,000 times in the Old Testament, that is, the, the, the Hebrew word for that, we'll go to that uh, next, um, that is the personal name of God. God reve- revealed a personal name. Um, and um, that name we see there in the, the Hebrew name, it's called the tetragrammaton. What that means is it's a four-lettered word. Now, uh, the Hebrews did not put, um, in, back in the ancient times, they didn't put vowel markings. Those are all, those are all consonants. And um, so we don't know what the vowels are that, to how it should sound. And here's, here's what happened. When God said that they were to revere his name in the Ten Commandments, the Third Commandments is, is you shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't misuse the name of God. They took the name of God to be something very sacred. The name represents the person. And so they got to the point where they would not say the name for fear of, do, of, of abuse, using it in an abusive way. And in fact, when they would write the name in the Holy Scriptures, as they would copy copies of Holy Scripture, um, they, would, they would clean their pen, their stylus, Every time before they wrote that name, the clean, then they, on they would go. Well, we don't know exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced, but it, probably something like Yahweh that you see there. But every time you see it in the Bible, you'll see all capitals, and it's almost 7,000 times that it happens. Why is that important? He says, O oh Lord... That is our covenant God. That's the God who revealed himself to us. That's the God who made us his people and entered into a covenant. Said, if you follow me, you'll be my people and I will care for you and do that. And so when he, when he begins to address God, he says, Oh Lord, our covenant God, the one who loves us, the one who has cared for us. And then he says, beyond that, Oh Lord, our Lord, our master, our leader, our ruler, you're our Lord. You're the covenant God, but you're also our Lord. And, and he goes on to say um, that 
How majestic is your name in all the earth? How majestic, how great, how awesome, how mighty, how lofty is your name in all the earth? It's a declaration of of how awesome God is. And I said, his name, his name is It stands for the person. So when he says, how awesome is your name in all the earth? He says, you are awesome. The name that represents you, you are awesome. And um, he is incredible. And it said, his glory is above the heavens. Not only awesome on the earth, but beyond that. Not only awesome for what we can see here on earth, but beyond the heavens, your glory, your brilliance, your honor is known. Um, And then David tells us why he's so awesome, why he's so incredible. He he tells us um, in verses 2 to 8 why that is. And the first thing he says to us is this. That God is defend, he's great because he's defended by helpless infants. Now that may say, sound weird to you. God is defended by helpless in, infants. In, in chapter 2 in, of Psalm 8, he says this. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. This is really kind of weird, but think about this for a minute. That God is so awesome and great because he is defended by babies, nursing babies, and little toddlers. What's he saying? God is so great and so powerful and so secure in his absolute sovereignty, the sovereignty of his rulership over the total universe, that he allows babies and toddlers uh, to defend him. Think about this. The enemies of God are marshalling themselves against God. All of their resources against God. They bring their top leaders. They bring their brightest minds. The latest technology. All the strategy and the ferocity of their hatred of God. Bring it to, uh, to, to, uh, to go against God. You know what God does? He says, I've ordained praise for babies. I, I can be defended by the... Pre-. You know, have you, you ever had a case um, where... You would have liked to whoop a little kid. They did, you just did something terrible. But they got a dad who's like 325 pounds, six foot eight, and all muscle. And you dare not touch that little one. Why? Because Papa's there and he could destroy you, he could tear you apart. And God says, You know what? I don't need even to defend my, I can. You know, I'm so great, the babies can speak and defend uh, my honor and my name. And, and the incredible thing is, you remember when we started this whole journey in the Psalms, we looked at Psalm 2, and, and the enemies of God were marshalling themselves against them. And you know what God did? You remember what God did? He laughed. He said, you've got to be kidding. This is what you got. This is the best you have? And he laughs. Because it's so unthinkable. God is so great that, that even babies and toddlers can, can speak in his defense. Well, the second thing, you know what? He is awesome. The second thing is there's, there's the wonder of celestial bodies. Now, this was written by David. David was a king, but he had been a shepherd. He knew what it was to hang out in the hills and, and to... Um, 
to watch the sheep. He knew what it was like to sit around a little campfire at night with the sheep kind of there. And, and to be in a place where we don't have the kind of light pollution that we have in the city. There's nothing. Pitch dark, clear night. And he looks up. And what, is, what does he see? He says the, sees the moon and the stars. The night sky he sees. And um, it, it took his breath away. Have you ever been a place on, on a, a crisp, clear night? Away from light and you saw something of the heavens. And the majesty of all of that. The expanse of the sky studded with these little diamonds that are just sparkling. And and, uh, to see shooting stars. I know they're not shooting stars. But um, we used to sit out and Gerda would miss it. Oh, there goes another one. Where? Where? And and, and you're just overwhelmed. And, And as David is thinking about this, he is thinking, how awesome is the God who can do this? Um... And, and so, um, I want you to see a picture. Here's a picture of Earth from 10,000 kilometers out. You see that little, you see that little uh, red box in the middle? That's, that's Florida. You see Florida in there? So that's 10,000 feet out. You get a picture of what the Earth looks like. Let's go, let's go to the next one. As we move out 100,000 kilometers, that's what Earth looks like. Let's go out further. Um, there's one million kilometers, and there's Earth. Now that's getting pretty tiny. Let's go ahead. There's our solar system. That's the whole solar system. The sun and all the planets around it. Let's go one more. One trillion kilometers out. Now the sun is just a star amongst billions of stars. It, it's, just, it's just out there, and it's not a particularly impressive or huge star at all. Let's go, let's go further out. Now, now we're talking light years. We're not talking, uh, we're not talking kilometers. We're talking light years because now the numbers get so big, so many zeros behind it, that we need to have a different way of, of answering that. And so what they did is they came up with light years. Now, uh, because I started uh, with... Uh, with miles, not kilometers. And I learned what the speed of light is in miles. It's 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast light. You turn on a light, 186,000 miles per second. And so if we think about a light year, we think about one second, 186,000, times, well, let's say 60 seconds for a minute times another 60 seconds for an hour, or, or for, for, for an hour, and another uh, uh, 24 times 24 to get a, a day. And then from a day, let's, add, let's multiply it again by 365 days, and that's one light year. Now this is 100 light years away, and now we're starting to get a million light years away, and there's there's the Milky Way. There's our galaxy. There's our galaxy. And David wouldn't have understood. He just knew it was fantastic. He didn't know the, the, how vast it was. There's the Milky Way. About 300 million stars in that galaxy. That, that just, that round part in the middle. That's, that's what we are. Um, and not, excuse me, that's 300 billion stars, not million, 300 billion stars in that. And, and not only that, um, if 
we go ahead, um, we now have about 100 billion other galaxies. Man, that dessert was awesome! How stupid does that sound? When we begin to bring God into the conversation. When we think about how great God is. And, and, and so David is looking at, at, at this and he is just blown away by God who could create all this. And, and it's interesting. He said the work of his hands, his fingers. He, he's making it all. He's fashioning it. He's, he, he's making it. Is that incredible? Is that incredible? You know, um, Isaiah would say this. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. He created them. All of those billions upon billions upon billions upon billions of stars, every one of them, he's named every one of them. He put them in place exactly where he wants them. Is that awesome? And there are times when, when words just don't, all you can do is go, and that's God. We can't wrap our mind around that, the majesty uh, that he has expressed and demonstrated. He is awesome. And David contemplates this, and it, it brings a question to mind for him. Uh, as he's struck by this truth, as he's flabbergasted by this truth, he talks about the wonder of God's love for humanity. The wonder of God's love for humanity. Look at what he says in chapter 8 and verse 4. When, he, when I consider all this, he said, What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When I see how great God is, that he did all of this, that he spun this all into space, that he is, he is so awesome. When I think that in terms of what's going on, that I'm not even a speck in the universe, a speck of dust. In fact, our planet isn't even a speck of dust in the universe. The universe is so great. And he says, when I think about this, when I think about how vast that is and what, who God is, I have this question. How is it that he would even be mindful of me or care about two things here? Two highlights that he, that he aspects that he's, first he thinks, he, he is blown away that God would even think about the humanity he created. He, he can't understand that a God that is that big and that huge would care about this some 8 billion people on our planet. Uh, how that he, he would care about us. He thinks about us. He, he says there, you're mindful of him. He's on, you're on his mind. In, in fact, the word that's used in the original language there is, he remembers you. He remembers you. He knows you. He knows all about you. In all this vast universe, and in, even in this planet with over 8 billion people, he knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows what you're up to. He knows what you do. He knows what your pains are and your agony, and, and he remembers you. You know what that remembers? That, that, that he hasn't forgotten about you. It, it's interesting how in tough times, 
in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, we get this phrase, and God remembered. Here is Noah. Here is Noah on a, uh, in an ark, floating day after day after day as God deluged the earth with water. And we hear this. But God remembered Noah. Haven't forgotten about you. I know you're there. Abraham. Abraham is dealing with Lot and all the problems uh, uh, that he's facing. And, and Abraham wonders what's going on. And it says in Scripture, but God remembered Abraham. Uh, Rachel couldn't have children. How is the line of God's people to go on when she couldn't have children? But it says God remembered Rachel and opened her womb. What about Israel and Egypt being beaten down and oppressed by the Egyptians? Make more bricks, more bricks. Now we're taking away the straw. Make more. But God remembered. He remembered with favor. You know, you have a God who loves you, and I don't know whether you're connected to him or not, but you have a God who loves you, who knows you, and who remembers you. But secondly, not only that, and it's interesting, just as an aside in Psalm 103, it says that he knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. He knows how frail we are. When we're sick, when we're, when we're, we're struggling, he knows how frail we are. He understands. But secondly, he cares. Um, what is man that you're mindful of him, that you mind him, that you think about him, that you remember him, and the Son of Man, that you care for him. He cares for us. And the word that's used there, he visits us. He visits. When we're in trouble, he visits us. He comes to us. He acts on our behalf. He intervenes. You know, there's some people that say, okay, there's a God. There is a God, but that God created everything, and he's awesome, and he's wonderful, and all the rest of that. And then he put into place laws of nature, which he did. And he took his hands off and he said, there you go. And he doesn't remember and he doesn't care. But that's not what scripture says. And David goes, man, this God, it's blowing my mind. Not only that, he remembers me and he visits me. He cares about me. He's involved in my life. He loves the humanity that he created. And he shows up in our lives. I could tell you story after story after story in my life, how God has shown up, how God has come to me, how God has cared for us and and brought us to where we are. That's how incredible God is. He is awesome. And then there's the wonder of humanity's glory. The wonder of humanity's glory. Not only did God create us like that, but God created us to be glorious. Look what it says in in verse 5. You have made him, that's humanity, people. You've made them a little lower than the heavenly beings. And look what you've done. You've crowned him with glory and honor. When do you have a coronation? For whom? Royalty. Kings. Queens. He says, God crowned us. He crowned us with glory and honor. He he created us in his image, that we would be image bearers. He created us to be 
something that would, would reflect something of who he is. And he grants us this glory and this dignity. And even though there's this huge, vast chasm between who God is and who we are, yet God in his greatness wanted us to be highly valued and cherished. He crowned us with glory and honor. And that's just like, we're like these puny ants running around. But God said, no, these are people I love and I invest in them, in this humanity. Um, Significance and glory and honor. His glory that was beyond the heavens. We share something of that. And you have dignity, my friend, and you have worth in the eyes of God. And you share something of what God is when he created you in his image and in his likeness, beyond anything else that he created. And you, though, and I, though we are puny and though we are weak, we have been highly valued, and God has invested that in us. And David goes, wow, he is awesome. And lastly, we wonder about humanity's uh, there's the wonder of uh, humanity's responsibility before God. Something very interesting, when God created this earth, he waited to create humankind till the end of the creation cycle. The crowning glory of his creation was humankind, people like us, uh, people that he, he uh, wanted to rule this planet. Incredible. He, he gave rulership of this planet to us. He created us in his image. He placed us on this earth to rule and care for it. And he goes through the domestic animals and, and the wild animals and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And he said, take care of all of these things to discover and to manage and to develop. He's given to us that, to be his representatives on earth to care for the planet, to care for one another in a way that is consistent with who he is. And that is awesome. You have been given a task by God to be a caretaker, a ruler in, on, on this planet and to care for it in a way that's consistent with what God would want, to manage it for him. That is awesome. And here we are, crowned with glory and honor to have rulership. God entrusted that to us. And David says, man, that blows my mind. And he finishes the whole thing in verse 9, chapter 8 and verse 9. Uh, we'll go a little further, one more. He, he finishes the way he started. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It envelopes that whole thing. God is Awesome. Have you recognized that? Have you recognized that God who put this all in place loves you, cares about you, has crowned you with glory and honor, who's given you responsibility, and and who loved you so much that when we defied him, when we fought him, when we rebelled against him, he gave his son to come and to die in our place, that he would he would pay for the penalty of our sin and our rebellion, that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him, whoever would put their faith and trust in him, would not perish, 
but have everlasting life and be with him. That's the incredible thing. If you've never realized how great God is or how much God loves you or what God has done for you in sending his son to die for you, my prayer is that if God is opening your mind up to this, that today would be a day that you would open your heart and say, this is an incredible God. I can't believe that he loves me. And that he, you would open your heart to his grace and to put your faith and your trust in him. David was blown away by that. And that it would inspire in us a sense of awe and worship and how incredible this God. I want the musicians to come up, please. God is great. He is incredible. And he wants us to worship him. The sad thing is that, that many people have no desire to worship him. Though God has made himself known, Roman one te- Romans 1 tells us that, that, that people didn't care. And they made their own objects. They, they rejected God. They weren't thankful to God. They didn't worship God. They didn't care about God. Oh, that we would recognize who he is, his love for us, and that he wants to be in a relationship with us. Let's worship together as we sing this last song.